0: There's a cold of silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep.
1: We keep pretending that
0: there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. Hi, folks. I am Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on March the 10th, 2009. I always give this little talk at the beginning for newcomers, because there's always people coming into the show. And Word sometimes does travel slowly, sometimes quickly, but eventually they come around and they listen to the show. And there's more and more people joining all the time. So I advise them to go into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website, and you can have... Hundreds of hours of talks i have given in the past to listen to, where I try to give you a bigger picture than the one the mainstream media gives you, or the history books that are dished out to your schools will tell you, to show you how the big game is really played. And the fact is we're living in an agenda, an agenda that encompasses every political party of the mainstream that's out there in every country, pretty well, as we been here for a long, long time. An agenda that's not pleasant whatsoever, if you knew what it's already done to you, you'd have to take action. And there's a lot I don't speak about, that I do know about, what's happened physically to people too and why, and the causes and the reasons for it, because nothing happens by accident on a large scale unless it's planned that way. Also looking to Alan Watts sent in sentinel.eu for transcripts of these talks I've given in the past, and you can print them up. They're written in the various languages of Europe. And, as I say, we're living in an agenda, an incredible agenda, really. And when you embark upon the study of the big banks, the big associations, the foundations, and all the non-governmental organizations, all of the universities getting funded by these foundations to research in specific areas and to give the data back to the foundations and these foundations as I say are supported by bankers multinational corporations international corporations and the pharmaceutical companies if you want to know why people are so sick you have to do your homework and go in to who really manages your food and the big chemical companies they go hand in glove with them all because they all know each other They're all tied together, and have known each other for at least a couple of hundred years, all of these families, and a lot longer, by the way. In military strategy, you go for the basic things first, even when you besiege a town or a castle in olden times, you go for the water supply and the food. Very simple. It's also been known by archaeologists and those who studied ancient cultures they experimented even in Egypt with specific diets for slaves to see how efficient yet dumb they could make them how much energy they should have, enough to do the work but not to revolt and when your body is lethargic your mind is lethargic too very old lesson that's never been lost And look around you today. I've given many reports in the past about the food we're eating, what's in it, even the fact that mercury has been used all along for 50 years for processed foods. And you wonder why people are physically falling apart. They can't handle the artificial sugars that they're given now. They're pretty well synthetic. They blow up like balloons on them. They can't handle the processed modernized hybrid oils. They get obese and overweight. That's why it's been done. You don't want to conquer a world and you've got a healthy population to fight back. Back with more after this break. Alan Watt were cutting through the matrix discussing the big agenda the big plan that you live through and your parents live through as well and grandparents as well very old agenda step by step by step very Fabian in technique and at one time they used to think it would take 70 years to alter society and the values and the culture of society to work on with propaganda and heavily financed education to change the society into the one they wanted. But even in 1933, the head of the NKVD, that became the KGB in Russia at a Comintern meeting, stated they already could do, create upgrades with human beings. Every three years, they could advance more and more and more in such a scientific way, if they could get the children very young at like kindergarten you could indoctrinate them so quickly, and right through their schooling terms, they'd be completely different people by the end of their education. Well, you can imagine what it's like today. It's so fast, so fast. And when you remember the farce of the Y2K fiasco, when the press brought up the topic, it was the press that that was their job, of course, is to, is to get the hype going. Very sensational. Even though computer experts and scientists said nothing will happen to computers with all this hullabaloo about certain media would go into the streets and ask the ordinary person in the streets, do you believe in Y two K? It wasn't what do you think of it or what do you know of it, it's do you believe in it? That that was the first hint that it was all a big con. But it was getting us ready for something. And then afterwards the scientists said, Well, the twenty first century really begins In 2001, that was the year to kick off the whole big part of the agenda. Remember, the professors are already teaching. We're already teaching that the 21st century was to be the century for change. That's why the marketing boys came up with a slogan for Obama, Change is Good, which is a really dumb, dumb phrase, because if you accept it, without knowing what kind of change they're talking about, you're an idiot. The death camps could be changed. they what you're living in right now. The marketing doesn't appeal to the intellect, it bypasses the intellect until the sheep chant slogans. And after all, Lenin said we shall win by slogans. What's happening in this world, and it is a world war, this is a world war. It's a war to eradicate all that was to bring in that which is new, completely new. And people are probably bored stiff of the whole Cold War era and the pre-Cold War era to do with communism versus capitalism. It was all a big con because the capitalists funded communism to begin with. Communism would simply be a more efficient way to control the people and have them work for nothing, basically. That's what Orwell's Animal Farm was all about, if you read right through to the end. it was also a way to bring in a new society. The society that Bertrand Russell, Julian Huxley, Aldo Huxley, and many, many others talked about, where the children would not be contaminated, and that's the terms they use, not be contaminated by their parents' prejudices. And we do have that today. There are parents now in Britain who are going to be fined or charged, maybe even imprisoned, if they refuse to allow their ten year old and under children attend the new gay sexual classes in school, regardless of their religion. And what you find under liberalism that was a disguise for all of this for a long, long time. What you find underneath it Under all this tolerance nonsense, because that's all it is, is tolerance nonsense, they're the most intolerant group ever because it's their way or no way, you see. Not only that, they will put people in prison with people with opposing views on anything because under the communist ideology, they're contaminated, their thoughts are contaminated, and they can pass on those contaminated thoughts to other people. God forbid they pass on those Values are what they call contamination to the young. And the war, too, was to do with creating a new perfect human being, the ones that would serve them. That's why a very old society was set up in the United States before the Revolutionary War. It was under the title of a philosophical society. Ben Franklin and many of the founding fathers were members of it. And it, even then, it was a cover because it really was a scientific society where they discussed, and those who read Jefferson's writings will find out this is true, they were very interested in the different races and ethnic groups of people they were already into eugenics. Not only did they study their physical appearances like anthropologists studied their ways of life they were into their body build their intellectual level and that kind of stuff before the Revolutionary War and this particular society is still on the go today and you have the greatest amount of information to do with eugenics these are the ones who funded the Cold Springs Harbour facility for Davenport Penetrogenic Society, these are the same people who funded the first genetic research into altering not just animals but people. Because the U.S. was created for a great work. It was founded on the great work. The old occultic samples... the symbols are everywhere in the US the phoenix is all over Washington DC not the eagle the symbology of the phoenix going into the fire as it dies and renews itself again is a symbol of an old old system being reborn every 500 years or so at least through mythologies that's what they say 500 years It's astonishing how time can eradicate history and I've got old, old books written right after the Revolutionary War which give a completely different spin on things as to what actually happened and all the fights that went on about different parties already involved with different ideas on freedom and what freedom is and freedom for who and whom. And it is true that Franklin himself said the system, and Jefferson backed him up, the system would only work so long as the the culture remained as an agricultural society where everyone was self-sufficient. Once they went into commerce and specialization and left the farms, they'd lose their self-sufficiency and would be dominated by the monetary elite happened very quickly in the 1800s and you can do many searches for these topics mainstream documentaries have been made about the factory towns where you were owned basically by the boss who owned the factory town they were all over the US they already had them all over the UK and parts of Europe too that's where it all came from and you would earn your money just enough to pay the rent the company Factor, and the Factor, of course, gave the rent to his boss, who owned the whole town. So the money that you earned was going right back into the guy who owned the town. He'd own the stores and everything. He'd even bring in a preacher, and they selected the preachers to keep you humble and content. These are the real stories that went on within the United States. But behind that was a a bigger plan, and for anyone who studied Uh, the Owenites, the Owen Society, the Utopians, High Freemasons, who, and he wasn't the first one to try this, Voltaire did the same thing, but he started their own towns. They owned the towns. And if you wanted to get married to anyone in the town, you had to come before the person who owned it with your wife. And they would literally say if you were matched up well or not. And they had the final say, the boss had the final say were experiments in eugenics nowhere else in the world was that the ability because of the way it was set up was America to try out eugenics in a big big way I talked about the Oneida Society before the Oneida Society you find that the leader knew exactly what he was doing when he set it up and they went under the guise or of cover of Christianity but they were also given incredible amounts of land by very rich people. In fact, one of the guys, the, the guy who ran the organization at NIDA, his cousin became a president of the United States. And they were given incredible amounts of money. And who was in touch with them? Charles Darwin was in touch with them because they put out newsletters on how they meted up the people and what kind of offspring they'd be. It was forbidden. To meet with anyone who wasn't authorized, and even then there's been no emotional contact whatsoever. Every week you'd have two or three different partners who depend, and yet a person who assigned partners to everyone else. It's never been said what happened to all the unwanted offspring that there must have been. And it isn't until the 19- ninth nineteen forty eight or so, or just after World War Two, perhaps because of what was happening in Germany eugenics society of things that they burned most of their records why would they wait all of that time to do so so the US as I say was set up with so many loopholes to allow this kind of thing to happen it would have been tolerated anywhere else eugenics, eugenics, eugenics from the beginning to the end even some of the The founding families that created their organizations wrote copiously on how proud they were of their family perfect lineages. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. I don't often say things which please everybody because we like traditions and we like our founding mythologies that are written and rewritten and rewritten and so on. And today they're rewriting them again and reinterpreting them to get Washington and all the other guys to agree with what's happening today. That's how how lawyers take words and spin things, by going over legalities and reinterpreting it to suit the times. Back to special breeding, it's nothing, it's nothing new in it at all. You've got royal families, for as old as so-called civilization has given to us, and I say given to us because we don't know how old it truly is. We talk about the invention of writing and records being kept. We do know that kings and queens often married their sisters and brothers, Later on, you had the banking families doing exactly the same thing, royal bankers, basically. Keeping it all together, that's exactly what the Rothschilds were doing. And I'm sure their family lineage was way, way back in breeding, long before they were called the Rothschilds. So you had kings and queens inheriting countries, yet bankers inheriting the finances of the countries down through the ages. But in the 1500s, when the Rosicrucians broke out openly, they always said it was to do with inferior man and the superior man. Always the same rant. Superior, inferior. Go back all the way to Plato, when he gives the, the dialogues, the, the talks they gave, supposedly, in his, to his students, his questions, and answers, his dialectic approach as to why some people know some things easily, and they can pick up on geometry, for instance, and other ones have a hard time. And Plato came to the conclusion that, you see, the aristocracy had been reincarnated so many times that it was familiar to them. That was what they came to. I'm not saying it's true. I'm saying that's what they wanted to believe, because after all, it boosts the ego when you, when you think you're so special so perfect. I've heard reincarnationists today. High Masons say the same thing. But Plato also talks about the fact that he was trained in Egypt. He skipped the country when Socrates was condemned to death. He skipped the country because he was part of the intrigues that were going on where they were trying to overturn the old order, you know, change is good, and bring in the new by subverting parents' authority. The Neoplatonists in Alexandria in Egypt took Plato's ideas, attached them to some more mysticism, but kept it. In fact, actually, they added a lot more to eugenics, the eugenical side to it as well down to basically saying that male and female were really just the same it was just how they were treated that made they conditioned them into different kinds of roles that's in alexandria second century a.d and the same theme has come down through the ages like a thread popping up in different countries different centuries under different guises and names but always the same always the same and unfortunately today It's worldwide. It runs the world. The so called Cold War is over. Anybody who really, really opposed this system is pretty well gone. And law is being used to the extreme now to force everyone into this system. You have no rights over yourself now. Even in Canada, when you die, you're down as a donor. You have no rights over your children. Your children, even though they're supposed to have the rights of the child, they can't opt out of school if they object to certain lessons. It's very handy when you can have lawyers reinterpret things depending on the occasion or who's asking. Canada, as I say, is quite the country because it's always been a part of the British Empire and it's always been ruled by relations or the Canadian Institute for International Affairs, same thing, belonging to the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And it was very evident in this country, in Canada, when Pierre Trudeau got in as Prime Minister, he even said it, he said, we said we'd get in. He wasn't talking about the Liberal Party, because he had been head of the Communist Party for Canada as far back as the nineteen fifties. He led the Common young Comintern meeting from Canada to Moscow in fifty two. And yet not one newspaper all these conservative newspapers with all their intelligence networks mentioned that fact. And drastic changes happened ever since, accelerated in Canada Accelerated in Britain and throughout Europe at the same time, primarily to do with immigration and accumulating massive debt, which we never had before. A war has been waged on the entire world, well controlled, well financed, well directed, from the top down, to bring in a certain society, a specific society, A reduced society in a not-so-distant future. And we have this nonsense of terrorism to help force it all through. Back with more after this break.
2: You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
0: I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix. And I'm going to read an article and take some collars, but just finishing on what I was saying is the reason for the multiculturalism being pushed from the top was because they already had 2001 planned. They couldn't enforce the terrorism nonsense without having people from outside your country coming in and living in large numbers. It's not their fault. Don't blame them. They never saw the day either where the West would invade their homelands. But those that designed it did long-term strategy. That was the prime reason for it. And I noticed this being set up at the same time across Europe and the Americas. Years ago, I knew something was in the wind because especially when they were bringing so many immigrants into European countries and there was no work already. It made no sense otherwise. Long-term strategy. You could not enforce what's happening today without the pretense of an external threat now living amongst you, and that's what they've used. The end justifies the means. It wouldn't matter if it blew up 10,000 towers as long as it got. Its agenda started off. You know, change is good. Look at the changes. Change is good. This is happening in Canada right now. It says military readies reservists for threat to domestic front. Now, reservists in Canada, we have a reserve army. These are guys who have either been in the army and they stay in and sort of part-time army, you might say. They they train on weekends, especially, in a few weeks per year. And some of them have never been in the mainstream regular army and they get sent off abroad anyway. So anyway, this is Article here's It's a handout. You can tell it's a handout given to the media. This is from the National Post, Canada, Wednesday, March the 4th, 2009. It's a handout to sort rah 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 type thing, you know, hurrah hurrah hurrah. And you can tell by the top, it's just got fallen soldiers mourned the, as, as Afghan debate continues in the House of Commons. Afghan election not possible in April. That's what dictators always say. You put it in your dummy government and you always postpone elections. Editorial realism in Afghanistan, but then here comes the real story. So it's already getting you prepared. Even even the layout you see is psychologically preparing you for what you're supposed to read, which is a PR story given out by the military to the media. This is Master Corporal Brian Walsh. Department of National Defense Reserve units across Canada are being trained in securing perimeters in case of an emergency. Securing perimeters in case of an emergency. The Canadian military has embarked on a wide-ranging plan to turn its reserve soldiers into focused units, trained and equipped to respond to a nightmarish array, a nightmarish array, there you go, of domestic threats, including terrorist dirty bomb attacks, biological agent containment arctic catastrophes and natural disasters. Hmm. Just suddenly they're doing this, you see. The creation of seven units within each region of the country, including unusual all-terrain vehicle ATV squadrons and perimeter security teams to cordon areas of potential devastation. Now, ATVs are used for country areas, get through the forest, etc. Appears to reserve soldiers for operations on the domestic front. Of freeing regular force soldiers to concentrate on foreign battlefields. Since There is a recognition, certainly within the military, and we've heard that the government say that domestic security is the number one priority. A number of these conclusions came from the post-911 world we live in, said Brigadier General Gene Collin, commander of the Army in Ontario, during an exclusive interview with the National Post. That's when the National Post was summoned to the interview. And it goes on and on and on about all the things that could happen, you know, everything that you could possibly imagine could happen, the fight it. But, but it says perimeter security teams prepared to cordon off an area if there was an atomic detonation, a nuclear accident, or similar source of wide contamination and Arctic response groups that are trained equipped, and, and equipped to live and operate in the far north. They will have had them for years under NORAD. So, it says here, when you scroll down, the the, the ready for basically anything. Home missions and new types of training, etc. But it's mainly to do with coordinate cord, cording off areas. Because remember, to the NATO exercises and the NATO laws, in fact, and treaties have all signed, every country in NATO has to cordon off areas of even suspected contamination and anybody trying to flee is to be shot on sight, and I've read that before. And whole groups of people trying to flee, you have to be gassed from the air with CS gas. That's how pleasant it truly is. That's what they mean by this kind of stuff. But we also know that bad, bad things are coming. Much, much worse than that. If we think that the Soviet Union was bad, we ain't seen nothing yet. And I'm not kidding about that. Not kidding at all about that. So I'll leave that link up there. And just before I I, I go to the callers, there's one little article that came, it ties in with the Baxter Laboratory scandal when they gave out the live H5N1 virus along with the common flu. They spread them all over the world. There's someone who emailed me and he says, in the popular video game series Resident Evil, there's a pharmaceuticals company called Umbrella that makes the viruses and puts them into pharmaceuticals and then, either by accident or intentionally, releases them into the population. The next one, Resident Evil 5, is coming soon to a retail store right now. is set in Africa and the pharmaceuticals company has moved there and unleashed new viruses. What a coincidence. What a coincidence, eh? It's amazing. Predictive programming. So we'll go to the callers now and there's Kyle from Connecticut there. Are you there, Kyle. Hi, Alan. Hello.
1: You know, I really hope people take you seriously.
0: Because, uh. Some can, but a lot can't, you know, because it is, it's very frightening information. It's, for those who don't watch television and get sucked into the strange, um, nether world that, that it gets you into, they have a chance. Those who think there's still some kind of normal routine going on in life are going to have a hard time.
1: Yeah, it's like revelation of the method i mean they tell you what they're capable of doing before they actually do it
0: that's correct
1: or while they're doing it
0: yes yes they do i mean even even with uh, one of the one of the was it the exor or something they did a, a a show where it was about a hijacked plane flying into the towers beforehand you know oh uh, yeah uh, that kind of stuff i mean and then there was some some group, uh, some music group had that on the, on the cover of their album before it happened.
1: Yeah, I saw that. It was, uh, the Lone Gun Men and then, uh, some rap group. They, yeah. they were pressing a detonator. That's right. And, uh, I, I just, you know, I think, uh, Obama's slogan was change we can believe in and the change we need. And, uh, mm-hmm. I'm just wondering who
0: we are. Exactly. Exactly. No one asked, did he? Change no. we can believe in. Who is he speaking on behalf of? because he's never, ever explained what he meant by it.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And I thought it was pretty funny when I, I thought of the dictionary everybody uses in school, Websters. Yes. And these spinsters spin their words and their legalese, and they get us to accept you know, their meaning of a word yes. when they have their own. They
0: do, and you have the world wide web. They do love webs. And Webster himself was a fascinating guy. You go into—I mean, he was a main orator and and uh, eulogist for most of uh, the famous people of his time in the U.S. And uh, he had incredible vocabulary. But he, he was also used by law and legal firms because he could uh, reinterpret things according to the situation by using the same words. I mean, so you're right—they've always been into this. Yeah,
1: and. Uh... I I just wondered about your thoughts with uh, Obama being the 44th president, four Mm -hmm. plus four twice, what our Mm -hmm. forefathers are, or the second American Revolution, or, you know.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, four, number eight, and the occult masonry, even Albert Pike said it, is power, I think, in money. It also means completion of above and completion of below. The two circles, heaven and earth, come together. Remember, they're always talking about bringing a utopia where heaven and earth come together.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. But their heaven, remember, on earth would be our hell. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And... uh You know, I mean,
1: I I, I, I could see them using technology without, you know, implanting brain chips in people. I mean, with uh, cellular technology and wireless...
0: uh... It's being used now. It is being used now. I've got lots of photographs of towers that have been put up across Europe and some in Canada. They all look the same, and uh, these things are to be used supposedly by Homeland Security, but they give off signals within... In fact, when I do a talk on this, I get some more information. um, I know that Persinger from from Laurentian University is involved in this kind of thing, about 10 megahertz wavelength. It can really uh, do some numbers on your brain. And uh, he worked for Laurentian University. All these universities since the beginning of the Cold War were financed by the CIA and the Rockefeller Foundation. So whenever they're into anything to do with neuroscience, mind control, that kind of thing, uh, by the use of drugs and so on, um, and electricity, electromagnetics, you, you, you know darn well this is part of the agenda. Now we see the towers going up. Yeah, Yeah. I, I, in Connecticut here, they disguise them as flagpoles. I, yeah, I've, I've got a link, in fact, where you actually see some of the different ones made. They've even got some designed as trees. It's incredible, and the company that makes these artificial trees uh, should give you a little tour of their place as they make them. Uh, they have other ones disguised as big boulders, and they're even putting houses, uh, in residential areas, building houses that look like ordinary houses, and people actually deliver mail to the house to make it look normal, but they, gave you, they showed you inside it, and it's just stacked full of this incredibly, um, um, complex electrical equipment. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a mainstream, it was actually a mainstream of a, a television show that was done, and I've got the link here.
1: It's amazing what, you know, they could, uh, You know, and look like blithering idiots on TV for these people. And, you know, nobody could believe uh, Mm -hmm. that
0: these coincidences are a conspiracy. I know. Even when the big players like Brzezinski talks about the technotronic era that would shortly be used on the public and how people would get their opinions given to them and their emotions and everything, and they wouldn't know how it was being done to them. I mean, these guys don't just make these strange statements because they like to... Uh, speak in occult fashion they tell us the truth you know what's coming up yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, did you see uh, Mrs. Obama on uh, the cover of Vogue no but I heard about it <laughs> yeah yeah it's interesting but uh keep up the good work Alan I look forward to your future shows uh,
0: thanks for coming bye bye and there's Z from New York there's Z
2: Hey, how are you,
0: Alan? I'm hanging in here.
2: <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, sorry. Um, listen, I, the reason why I'm calling is because uh, coincidentally you started speaking about Oneida Community. Yeah. We spoke about that. And I, just today I was reading a book by uh, uh, Constance Noyes Robertson. Yes. Noyes, I guess. I don't know how they pronounce but an entire family, basically. There were four families that mm-hmm. started it off. Yeah. And they'll uh, pull their money together. And back in 1840s, the money that they pulled together was over $40,000.
0: That's right. Not only that, though, they were given a a, a grant of land by the mayor of uh, New York, or or the the governor of New York.
2: Yeah, Verona in Oneida, yeah.
0: And they were also given the biggest contracts uh, to start businesses off by... Uh, Companies in Canada that dealt with the fur trade—they were the only ones, in fact, making all the traps for the for the animal catching and the fur trade. Then they came into silverware, massive contracts worldwide. Yeah, Uh,
2: that is pretty much the only like living, still living sort of factory that's there.
0: That's right. (laughs) But but what they were into was just absolutely astonishing. I mean, they were into pedophilia, um, protected from other people. And, and other communities by the state itself.
2: That's right. And, and, uh, and rich landowners actually pretend, protecting them uh, in the newspapers. While well, some newspapers were attacking them, uh, rich landowners, quote-unquote, from this book that I was reading, yeah. uh, they were defending them. Uh, that's you know, correct,
0: because it was a Masonic experiment from the very beginning.
2: Yeah. Uh, interesting. The book I was reading is called... Uh, Oneida Community and Autobiography, 1851 through 1876, if anybody's interested. Yes. But uh, I, I wanted to ask you a question. Uh, here where I work, a lot of people are members of the Lions Club. Yeah. And I, just today I got invited to join them. Yeah. Uh, what do you think I should do? Because I do want to help people, but I don't want to get involved in any sort of uh, business uh, where I'm just used. So well, what, what do you think? And I'll take that off air, and I hope you're well. Oh, yeah, by the way, the check is in the mail, so I'll... Talk to you later.
0: I appreciate that. Thank Bye. you. Yeah, I myself am allergic to clubs, especially when they're they're kind of um, respectable. Uh, it's the same thing as, as uh, I think Groucho Marx said. It is I wouldn't join any society that asked me to join as a member, and that's how I think of them. You'll find again, you'll find this, the same Masonic groups uh, who also have affiliations with these clubs. They're often members from, from different lodges, and they, and they go into the Lions Club. And they wield a little bit of power in their area, in the community. And and I tend to have nothing to do with with those kind of people whatsoever. I also look into, are they affiliated with the United Nations? You'll find that with even the Rotary Club. They're all for all of the United Nations mandates in your area. So I personally, I I just stay clear of them. There's always an, an, an ulterior reason for them existing. Something else going on. And what is the Lion, anyway, the King of the Jungle... I think everyone knows about the um, uh, the the old the movie came out with Walt Disney to do with the king, The Lion King, by Rudyard Kipling. And Kipling himself was a high mason, wrote a lot about it. He, again, was a supremacist himself, uh, of being an elitist uh, genealogy type. And that's what the movie was about, the lion. So wherever you see the lion, that's a symbol of that very, very thing. The lion, king of the jungle. Who's a jungle? You see people out there, the ones at the bottom of the pyramid. And now there's Derek from Philly. Are you there, Derek? Hi, Alan. Yeah. I'm here. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay. I was speaking before about,
1: it was a video game called Resident Evil with the zombies, and that's just one video game, and, uh, and, excuse me, that's just one video game of a type. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, and many different types of movies as well that are almost all exactly the same or very similar, where a giant corporation or government releases some sort of chemical or virus <laughs> that turns that people brain dead into zombies. Quote.
0: That's right. I, I, I knew there's quite a few of those movies out, and, and it's are kind of silly. But you wonder why on earth they're making so many of these silly movies that that are not really great hits, you know? Exactly, and it's just I,
1: I've, I've had kind of. Maybe a premonition, I guess. I'm thinking long future. They might do that So all the kids now, nowadays, people my age, 20s to thirty. You, you know, one
0: of the first movies they made about that was called uh, The Last Man on Earth. And uh, I think it was with his Christopher Christopher Lee that was not it. That's how far back you're making them. For the zombies, some for some reason, attack the normal people. <laughs> well, I... Yeah, hold on, and I'll come back after this break. torn that collar again. Uh, it was Vincent Price that was in that Last Man on Earth with the zombies. The one that could get infected suddenly attacked the non-infected for some strange reason. The same scenario they've remade and over and over and again with so many movies. Uh, it, it makes no sense at all. Are you still there, Derek? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear yes. me? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Well, specifically, I was watching Things to Come by H.G. Wells, which you recommended. Yeah. And um, that they, they actually have a very similar ailment, which they predicted was going mm-hmm. to have, or he predicted in his higher ups. I guess told him to write the movie about that. That the the, the do you remember that part, Alan? Yes. And yeah. there was, the, the specific programming in the movie was that you're supposed to shoot these people on site for whatever reason because it's infectious. They they believed, I guess. But I it, that's I, right.
0: That's right. And they just suddenly went mad for no reason, and they just to shoot them. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Well, I, I mean, even now, it seems like we're almost there
0: where most of the population are. Y- yes, you could do it either with a virus that would attack the brain itself, or you could use electromagnetics. And yes. the electromagnetics has been proven in university to, I mean, they can, they can cause hallucinations quite simply by putting a helmet on your head. And I've talked about that before. That's mainstream in Canada. And they can also do it remotely from a distance through towers. So, you know. Yeah. Yes,
1: and it's frightening in a way, and I know they're doing it now. You know, you've talked about this. Some days
0: you just feel so off and weird. Yes. And kind of Everybody off. does. You feel just completely blah, but they admit even in the, the treaty at the United Nations under uh, under, warf- under um, bio warfare and so on, and weather warfare, in fact, using the HARP technology, they can put a secondary signal uh, carried on the main signal and if the easiest thing to do was to affect the mood uh, of people, uh, whole, a whole continent if need be, uh, and make them very depressed or very agitated and aggressive. And, and it works too on domestic animals.
1: Yes, well I've certainly felt on some days that it's just such a,
0: it's, it's, I don't know, it, it could, could be a non-mechanical thing. Everything. We're also being sprayed like crazy and, and uh, they will not discuss the, the spring that goes on, and it started um, in earnest at least uh, in '98. Uh, That's when it started in earnest. Uh, I looked up one day, and I had about 20 crisscrosses across the sky at low level. Eventually, they started getting higher up, but but we're probably getting poisoned. There's no doubt whatsoever. They know what they're doing, though. They want a placid, sick population as we go through these. They call it times of changes or transitions. A century of transitions. <laughs> It makes perfect strategic sense from a military standpoint if you plan to completely alter society and restructure it and even reduce the population and get people to accept things they would never normally accept. It's a it's a military strategy. Yeah.
1: Well, one thing I wanted to speak about, and that's all... You know, it's obvious it's a military strategy against Mm -hmm. the human race, or maybe not even the whole human race. Maybe they know who specifically they want to be attacking, Mm -hmm. but that's another point entirely. I wanted to mention that you talk a lot about Plato's Republic, and I'm sure the elite, they speak about it a lot as well. And um, it's actually, Plato was before Jesus, right? Yeah, it was about
0: 350 or so B.C.
1: So, well, it just seems to me that, you know, I know how corrupted the New Testament is. You know, if you say Jesus, the New Testament represents Jesus, that would be something, like, unbelievable to me. But maybe, you know, they've done the same to
0: Plato, in a way, to make him their representative, even though he has nothing to do with them. I'm you sure know. he's definitely definitely a sort of spokesman, at least they all quote. But I hear the music coming in, and that's it from Hamish, in Ontario, uh, hey, in Canada. So it's good night, and may your God, or your gods... Go with you.